You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. kind of leads into what we want to talk about this morning as we've kind of been going through uh, Psalm 23 and kind of looking at that uh, verse by verse these last couple of weeks. And this was a psalm that was obviously, many of you probably know, was written by David. And one of the beautiful things about this psalm is it really kind of focuses on a lot of the struggles and challenges that uh, we face in life. David faced them, we will face them, and we also kind of not only find the common struggles and challenges that we all face in that psalm, but we also kind of discover God's response, God's answer Um, to those struggles, those challenges can be found there in Psalm 23. So we kind of looked at the uh, issues of worry, of busyness, of damaged emotions and indecision. Again, these are things that are very common uh, for all of us. We've all experienced them at certain points in our lives. This morning, I want to kind of look at the challenge, the struggle, the issues of dark valleys, and God's response to us in those times of dark valleys. David writes there in Psalm 23, verse 4, he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There again, he's kind of highlighting the struggle, the challenge there. Even though I walk through those valleys, those dark, deep valleys of the shadow of death. And then he gives us God's response to that is, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, again, before I get into the specifics of this verse, I want you just to kind of step back for a moment and kind of look at, look at the bigger picture there. I want you to notice the progression here um, in Psalm 23. It starts out with this great picture, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and in that, he, he says, I shall not want. I shall lack for nothing. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I have everything I need. Everything we need. He's stating there, God's provision for us in, in everything we need for this life, for our, our godliness, our walk of faith has all been provided for us because he is our shepherd. And then he goes on and he um, says that um, this whole idea of having everything we need, it kind of starts, it begins there. That is God's invitation to us that, that this is not just a one-time journey, it's a daily journey. It's something that we constantly have to come to God for as that shepherd. It's where we constantly have to recognize that he is providing, he has everything we need. It kind of ties in with that prayer that Jesus prayed there in Matthew where he says, give us this day our daily bread. it's It's a daily need. It's a daily provision. And I think David's kind of painting the same kind of picture there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything. And again, that's not just a one time. It's an all the time. It's a day by day 
walk. And then the next verse takes us again to another step in our walk with the Lord by revealing his commitment to lead us to places of restoration, those times and places of rest, that place where we can be restored and replenished. And it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside those still, quiet waters. He restores my soul. So again, there's just those times of busyness that we can get so caught up in where we're kind of just running from one commitment uh, to another. We were never designed, we were never created to just go, go, go. We need down times of quiet, of stillness, of opportunities for the Lord to restore us mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally, physically. Again, this is a daily repetition. It's something that God is committed to doing for us on a daily basis. And again, when we fail to do this, when we're so caught up in running from one thing to another, we need to just stop and ask ourselves, what are we running from? Then the following verse reveals his desire to lead us in paths that results in our righteousness, our right standing with God, that God is committed to leading us in ways that will keep our lives on the right track. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, God leads us in ways that keep our lives focus, that keep our lives on the right track. And all of these verses proceeds, verse 4 there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, why, why do I point this out? Well, unfortunately for a lot of people, most people really don't get serious with their walk with God until they're in the valley of the shadow of death until something huge happens, till they maybe get that diagnosis or they get that phone call or, or something happens um, that just somehow just craters their life, all of a sudden now they want to get serious with God. They want to know what is going on, what is God doing. Um, and, and again, it just makes it very, very hard because if we've never ever learned how to trust him as a shepherd, if we've never ever known his every provision in our life, if we've never ever just allowed him to lead us to those places of quietness, of, of restoration, of being replenished, if we've never ever allowed him to restore our soul, it's really, really hard for us if we've never allowed him to lead us in paths of righteousness, if we've never really allowed God to guide us in ways that keep our lives on the right track, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death and we're trying to now throw down anchors. We're, we're, we're trying to understand, we're trying to get stability, we're trying to get our feet back underneath us. And, and oftentimes what happens is fear just overtakes us. Us. Because again, we've not learned how to walk with him in the daily things, in the daily provisions, in the daily ways. And then all of a sudden, something cataclysmic happens and we're overcome with fear. And we don't find the comfort that he is with us in those because we've never known him to be with us in any other way. When God is our shepherd, when we're looking to him on a daily basis to provide for our needs, when we allow him to restore us and to lead us in ways that keep our lives on the right track, we are better 
able, we are better equipped that when we get into those dark valleys of the shadow of death, we're, we're in a better position where, where we can face that evil and not be overcome by it. Because we know he is with us here because he's been with us all along. Do you understand what I'm, I'm getting at here? As we begin to just make God a daily part of, of our lives, as we begin to allow God to be at work in every aspect of our lives, in the, in the simple, in, in just the mundane ways, in, in, in just the average everyday routines, when, when we allow and we recognize and we welcome and we participate and we walk in his presence, that when we do eventually come to those dark valleys, We've got this experience with God to be able to look to, to, to depend upon. And, and so when we start to feel the evil that comes with that, we're, we're able to stand against that. We're able to overcome that because we know he is with me. He always has been with me. It's a whole lot easier to fear no evil in those dark valleys when he has been our shepherd, our provider, our restorer, our, our guider, long before we ever reached the dark valleys. And God wants to establish himself now. Don't wait until you get to those dark valleys. Because I, I guarantee you, if, if you're waiting to get serious with God, then it's just more difficult. And like I said, it's like trying to put an anchor down in a hurricane, a, a ship putting an anchor down in a hurricane. It's just very, very difficult. So what are the purposes of dark valleys? Why, why was that a part of David's experience? Why was that a part of Jesus's experience? Why was that a part of Paul's experience? Why is that a part of most Christians' experiences where they go through those times, those dark valleys uh, of great evil? What are the purposes of those? There's an old Arab parable that says, all sunshine and no rain make a desert. And the idea behind that is, if you never have any down times, if you never have any dark times, if you never have any gloomy times, if you never have any times of, of challenges in your life, we'll dry up. We'll have no depth or maturity to ourselves. Because it takes both the good times and the bad times. It takes the smooth times and the rough times to make a mature person. Life is a mixture, as most of you know, just based on your own personal experience. Life is a mixture of pain and pleasure, of victory and defeat, of success and failures, of mountaintops and valleys. And today we want to look at what is God's response? What is his answer to those dark valleys of life? And again, David says that even in our darkest moments, even in the deepest pits of life, God is there. And his answer to those dark valleys is, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now I'm going to get into that aspect of that next week because that just deserves a sermon all of his own. How does God's rod and staff give us comfort? In Israel, many of you may not know this, there is a real valley of the shadow of death. It is a real place that David is speaking of there. 
and it is a very steep, it is a very deep, it is a very narrow canyon. They say that the sun only hits the bottom of the canyon when it is directly overhead at high noon. The rest of the time, that valley is very dark and foreboding. And David has probably led sheep through that valley of the shadow of death a number of times as he was growing up, as he was a shepherd. And as you look in the Bible, that term valley, you'll find that quite often. And in most cases, it's a reference to those rough times in life. Joshua talks about the valley of calamity. Psalm 84 talks about the valley of weeping. Hosea talks about the valley of trouble. And Psalm 23, verse 4 in Hebrew, that word actually means the valley of deep, deep darkness. So how do we handle the dark valleys of life? Well, I think there are five facts about valleys we need to remember as we go through those tough times. First of all, valleys are inevitable, okay? They're gonna happen to every one of us at certain points in our lives. So we might as well kind of expect them, we might as well kind of factor them in that they're part of the life of being a Christ follower. Now, some of you, you may be just coming out of a dark valley. Some of you, you may be kind of in the midst of a dark valley right now. Some of you, maybe uh, you're headed toward one now. And the point is, is that valleys happen throughout life, just like mountaintops. Valleys happen throughout life. And Jesus was very, very realistic about this. In John 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have persecution. You will have suffering. But he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. He says, take heart, I've overcome those trials, those tribulations, those valleys, those challenges. I have overcome that. And again, it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. It's going to happen. Every one of us up to this point in our Christian walk, we've experienced difficulty, disappointment, discouragement. There are gonna be times in, in the future where we're gonna be facing sorrow and sadness, you know, sickness. There are gonna be times of frustration, of failures, fatigue, setbacks. They're going to happen. They are a part of the normal life. Don't be surprised by it. The second thing is valleys are unpredictable, okay? They're inevitable, they're also unpredictable. You can't plan them much as you want to. You, you, you can't schedule them. You, you can't look at the calendar and say, this would be a good time for a valley. They're always unexpected, and most of the time they just come at the worst possible time. Anybody here ever had a flat tire at a good time? No. Valleys just happen, and they usually happen when we least expect them and when it's the most inconvenient. Valleys come suddenly, and oftentimes they can be unpredictable. You've ever noticed how easily a day can start off very good and turn kind of ugly quickly? Yeah, we've all had that. You know, it comes through a phone call, maybe a letter, maybe a routine doctor's checkup, maybe a, a freak accident. Valleys just 
happen. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 20, he says this, disaster follows disaster. In an instant, my tents are destroyed. My shelter falls in a moment. So they're unpredictable. The third thing is valleys are impartial. No one is immune from them. No one is insulated from pain and sorrow. No one is inoculated against disappointments and failures. Jesus said in Matthew 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 45, he says, it rains on the just and the unjust. Okay? Everybody has problems. Everyone has difficulties, good people and bad people. Problems, trials, difficulties, disturbances, downtimes, depression, doesn't mean you're a bad person. And that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It means you're a person. It doesn't mean you're an evil human being. It just means you're a human being. And oftentimes, sometimes we kind of look at the disappointments, the setbacks, we look at the sufferings, we look at all the things, the bad things that we go through, and sometimes we, we, we start to think that this is God getting back at us for something that we did or didn't do. And that's not what it is at all. It's a time where God shows you, I'm with you. I, I see what you're going through. And I have a provision for that very need. The Bible is very clear that good things happen to bad people just as bad things happen to good people. Valleys are impartial. They don't care how good or how bad you are, where you live, or how much money you make. The fourth thing is valleys are temporary. They have an end to them. They don't last forever, and it's not a permanent location. David says, even though I walk through the valley, the valley is not something you stay in your entire life. It's something you go through. It may be a circumstance. It may be a situation that has a season to it. It has a beginning and it has an end. And oftentimes when we're in the valley, oftentimes it feels like it's a dead end, but it's not. It's like a tunnel. It's a place where we start, we go through it, we come out on the other side in the light again. They don't come in your life to stay. They come to pass through. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says this, There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. And there again, he's admitting that sometimes you're going to go through tough, difficult, challenging times, but that there is a wonderful joy ahead of us. He's talking again about heaven there, but also talking about, again, just God's promises to be with us in these difficult times. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may go on all night, but joy comes with the morning. So there are times where life is going to be rough, but it's only for a brief time. Fifth one is valleys are purposeful, and we'll get into this a little bit more, that God has a purpose, he has a reason, he has a plan for the valleys that we go through. Whether it's doubt, depression, despair, discouragement, defeat, God has a purpose and God has a plan behind it. He may not be the author of it, but he certainly can use it 
for his purposes. First Peter chapter one, verses six through seven says, at the present, you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. And again, he says, they're temporary. They're not gonna last forever. You are temporarily harassed by trials, by challenges, by uh, persecution, by suffering. Uh, there may be financial valleys. There may be relational valleys. There may be emotional valleys, all kinds of different valleys. And he goes on and he says, this is no accident. It happens to prove or to test your faith. The valleys are not just a freak of nature. It's not like, you know, God isn't in control in that particular situation, in that particular life. It's God sees this as an opportunity to build something into us. And oftentimes, God uses that to build faith and trust uh, in us towards him. Again, we love the mountaintops, don't we? We're kind of like Peter when he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. He, he has this glorious uh, encounter with the glory of God. He sees the glory of God uh, radiate out from Jesus. He sees Jesus there on the mountaintop talking with Moses and Elijah. And, and, and what is Peter's solution? Let's just build some tents. Let's just build some permanent housing here. And we'll just live here forever on this mountain mountaintop. We're like Peter. We love the mountaintops. Oh, it's just so great here. Can't we just stay here? God says, no, we, we, we got to go into, we got to go back down to the valleys. We got to go back down to the people. And here's the thing. You build deep faith in the valleys of life. When everything's going fine and great, we, we tend to kind of not need God um, as much, right? I mean, when things are going really, really well, we, we kind of, we're patting ourselves on the back and we kind of think that, you know, we, we've done something to deserve this. And yet it's not in those places where, where we are being taught the deeper things of faith it's when we get into those dark valleys where, where we, are, we feel challenged, where, where it's in those moments where we want to go deeper with God. Faith is strengthened oftentimes uh, in dark, deep valleys. Faith is forged in the dark valleys of life. And again, God is, he's trying to build your character uh, in those moments. And again, God is far more interested in your character than he is your convenience. And oftentimes we get those mixed up. We think that God is really more concerned about our conveniences rather than who we are in him, who we are becoming in him. God's goal in life is not to make us comfortable. His real goal is to build character, to deepen the image of Christ um, in us, to make us more and more like his son. He's more interested in our holiness than he is in our happiness. Holiness lasts, happiness doesn't. In fact, true happiness really is a byproduct of true holiness. Again, God, his overarching goal 
for each and every one of us is to become more and more like Christ. And if God is going to make you like Christ, he's going to take you through all of the same circumstances. He's going to allow all of the same things to come into our lives that came into the life of his son, Jesus. Was Jesus exempted from suffering? No. Was he exempted from trials, from persecution? No. All of those things happened to him as an example for you and I. So that when we see the way that Jesus goes through and handles and deals with suffering and persecution, it's there as an example for us too. That's why oftentimes, uh, you know, when, when people are persecuting us, the last thing we do is rejoice. But it's the first thing that Jesus did. You know, oftentimes when we are face to face with our enemy, with those that are persecuting us, our first response isn't to bless them, it's to curse them, right? But Jesus' first response to those who, his enemies, those who persecuted, was to bless him. And that's why he goes through all of those things as an example to us, so that when you go through them, I've given you a model, I've given you a life lesson of how to respond, how to come through that um, victoriously. Do you realize, if, if you're here this morning and you kind of keep going through the same persecution, the same suffering, the same trials over and over and over again, chances are it may be that you're not yet learning what it is God wants you to learn in that, so you kind of just keep going through that. Oftentimes, when maybe people are coming against you and maybe people are speaking evil of you, maybe what we need to learn to do is learn how do we truly bless them? I mean, how do we truly um, be kind to them? You know, because Scripture says that God is, is kind to evil people. And some of we think that, that God wouldn't be, but the Scripture says that he is. Jesus said he is kind toward evil people. What if we learned how to be kind toward evil people? Then maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't continually be going through all of that because we've learned what we've needed to learn and God kind of moves us into a different place. We'll, we'll face new challenges, we'll face new trials, new tribulations, but oftentimes when we learn to overcome in those, we kind of graduate, we, we, we go on to uh, different things. And oftentimes where we find ourselves in just those, we're repeating the same things over and over and over and over again, chances are it's because we continue to respond in an ungodly way. And part of the way that God wants to bring correction, training uh, in righteousness into our lives is to be able to bring us into those situations for us to respond in a godly way so that we can become more and more conformed, more and more like Jesus. That's part of the purpose um, of, of some of these valleys. So what do you do when we encounter these deep, dark valleys. Well, I want to just talk about a couple of things here. The first one is refuse to be discouraged. Just refuse to give into discouragement. David says, I will fear no evil. You can almost hear the determination in his voice. 
He says, I will fear no evil. I refuse to give in to the spirit of fear. It's present. It's there. It would be easy to give in to it. But David says, I will fear no evil. I will tell you, I don't know when, I don't know how, but there are coming times of great evil in our country. We have got to learn how to refuse to give into discouragement with, with, in the presence of great evil. It is a choice that we make. Now notice what David says about going through the valley. He says, he, he says I walk through it. Now oftentimes we are very, very impatient, are we not? We, we go into a, a dark valley and we want to get through that as quickly as possible. We want to cut every corner we can cut. I don't care what you got to do, God, just get me out of this. And, and David says, no, no, there, there's, there's kind of a, a deliberateness. God, God allows us to walk through that. And it's, it's as we're walking through that that we're, we're gaining patience. We're gaining perspective. Um, we're allowing God to do that deeper work. And that takes time. And again, oftentimes, we want God to do the deeper work in us. We want God to, to work holiness and righteousness and sanctification. But God, can we have the instant version? There's no such thing. Sanctification, redemption. I mean, all of these, all of these beautiful, godly qualities, they take time to develop. And, and, and it's as we walk through those situations that God is using to develop the, those godly uh, qualities that, again, we, we refuse to give in to discouragement. We, we refuse to, to uh, give in to hopelessness. We're walking through that, and we're, we're, we're fearing no evil. We're understanding God has a purpose for this. God is using this to do something greater in my life. We welcome that. We rejoice in that. We give thanks to God that he sees that we're at a place where we're ready to go through that. So again, be, just refuse to be discouraged, because again, you can't go around the valley you can't go under it. You can't go over it. You can't go around it. You can only go through the valley, David says. And he says, in that I will fear no evil. And again, will implies a choice. It implies an act of volition, a decision. I've made a decision that while I'm going through this valley, I will fear no evil. I will not give in to discouragement. I will not give in to hopelessness. So again, if we find ourselves in a place of discouragement, oftentimes it's because we have allowed ourselves to become discouraged. Again, I don't have to know your problems. You don't have to know my problems. When we are discouraged, it's because we're choosing to be discouraged. Again, discouragement is always a choice, just like encouragement and, and being joyful, um, being at peace. All of those are choices we make. 
You don't have to choose to be discouraged, but you're choosing to think discouraging thoughts, or we're choosing to, 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 to dwell on discouraging situations. We're choosing not to look to Christ. We're choosing not to look to his promises or his provision. We're choosing to look at and we're choosing to focus on all the negatives. And again, that's a choice we make and we have the ability to make other choices that are in keeping and in line with God's plans and purposes for that. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to choose. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You choose, you decide, you make the decision. God says, here's what I have. This is what I wanna give you. But you choose what you want. You choose what you walk in. So how do we choose not to be discouraged? Again, by choosing to focus on God's power and on God's promises rather than on our problems. That's how we do it. I mean, you can take two people in an identical situation, chaos, tragedy, crisis. One of them will be completely blown away by it, and the other is actually strengthened by it. Two different people, same situation, different outcomes. And it all boils down to what they chose to do with that crisis and in the midst of that crisis. That makes the difference. We need to focus not on our circumstances, but on Christ. Not on the situation, but on the Savior. Not on your dark valley, but on His ever-abiding presence. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 says, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when, not if, when trouble comes. But you will be patient. So some of what we're going through right now, God is wanting to develop that, that character, that quality of patience. And, and what happens? We're becoming impatient. It's having the exact opposite work. That's why I said, sometimes you'll go through the same situation over and over and over because God is trying to develop in you a characteristic, a godly quality of patience, but you continue to walk in impatience uh, or ungratefulness. I mean, whatever it is, God is wanting to use that to strengthen you, uh, to give you patience, to help you rejoice in times of difficulty. Human energy eventually runs out after a trial of a certain time, length, depth. I mean, at some point, your energy is just going to be spent. You're not going to have any stamina. And again, human endurance, it, it has a limit to it. And it's in the dark valleys where we need a power source. We need a presence beyond ourselves. And if you think you're going to make it through all the valleys of life on your own power, your own strength, your own ability, your own stamina, you can forget it. It's not going to happen. There will eventually come a dark valley that will deplete all of that. We don't have enough power to handle all of the things that are going to hit us in life. We need a power source. We need a strength. We need wisdom beyond ourselves to connect into. So again, refuse to be discouraged. Secondly is remember that God is always with you. David said, for you will be with me. You're with me every moment, one translation says. 
God not only promises his power in the valley, he also promises his presence. The comforting thing there is you'll never, ever go through a valley by yourself. You don't have to. Some people choose to. But again, you don't have to go through dark valleys alone. God said, I will be with you. I love what Isaiah 43 verse 2 says. He says, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fires of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. And Janie gave this great example uh, last week of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego going through that fiery furnace. They went into those fiery flames. They were not delivered from them. They were delivered in them. And oftentimes, God's going to take us into those very, very fiery furnaces of life. He's not going to keep us from it, but he will deliver us in it. And again, that's where they looked in. They see Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they see a fourth man. And they said that he had the appearance of the Son of God. We know that that was a manifestation. That was an Old Testament visitation of Jesus. Jesus was there with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in that fire. And he will be with us in those fiery times as well. I want you to notice at uh, verse 4 of Psalm 23, there comes kind of a strategic change in the language. In the first part of the psalm there all of the pronouns are in the third person david you know he's talking about god you know he makes me lie down in green pastures he makes me lie down beside uh you know quiet still waters he leads me in the paths of unrighteousness he restores my soul and so in this way david is talking about god but when David gets to the dark valley there in verse 4, it changes from the third to the second person pronouns. David starts talking not about God, but he starts talking to God. And he says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's in the valleys of life that kind of bring us face-to-face, relationship-to-relationship with God. All of a sudden, the ultimate becomes the intimate. When I'm going through the valley, I don't want to talk about God. When I'm in times of great stress, when I'm in times of great persecution, I don't want to talk about God. I want to be able to talk to God. It's in the place where, again, we exchange religion for a relationship. And any mature believer will tell you the times they have been closest to God, where they have been face-to-face with God, are in those deep, dark valleys of life. When you're in the valley and you're spent, when you're depleted, when you are perplexed and in despair, and you're talking directly to God, He has ways of becoming very real. Ways where God will say, I am with you. And God will speak that to your heart. He'll reveal that in a very 
deep, in a very personal, and in a very intimate way. And you will never, ever feel closer to God than when you are in those deep, dark valleys of life. And again, not only will your faith grow deep and immature in those dark valleys, but when you victoriously, I mean, when you triumphantly come through them, God will use your triumph. He'll use your victory as a way to encourage others who are in those dark valleys. Revelation 12, 11 reminds us, and they overcame him. And he's talking about the enemy there. They overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it said, and because of the word of their testimony. One of the places where God will build the strongest, greatest testimony of your life will be in those very deep, dark valleys of life. And not only will it be an encouragement to you when you come out of the other side, strengthened, matured, deepened in your faith and relationship with God, he'll also use that as a way to begin to encourage, to be able to strengthen other people as they're going through their valleys of life as well. Proverbs 39, 34:19 says this, the good man does not escape all trouble. He has them too, but the Lord helps him in each and every one. So this morning, regardless of what you are going through here this morning, it may be a very light, it may be a very, you know, uh, easy comparatively thing that you're going through. Some of you may be in some very, very deep, you know, choppy, difficult waters this morning. But again, the Bible assures us that the Lord is there and he helps us, he equips us, he, he makes provision for each and every situation that we're going through. And it's obvious that Christians, believers, we go through valleys just like everybody else. We have disappointments just like everybody else. We have difficulties and trials and tribulations. We experience tragedies. We lose loved ones. Okay, we have family problems. We'll have, you know, financial struggles. Believers go through valleys just like everybody else in this world. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. But there is a difference, and it is a big one. The difference is that while believers and non-believers go through many of the same deep, dark valleys, the difference for the Christian is not the absence of the shadow in the deep valley, but the presence of the shepherd in and through the dark valley. Amen? Let's just uh, stand, uh, and um, if you're here this morning, and, and maybe, uh, as I said, there's some of you this morning that maybe you kind of are just starting into a, a tunnel. It feels like a, a, a valley of the shadow for you. Uh, maybe you're kind of in the middle of one this morning, or maybe you're kind of coming out of the tail end of one of those, and maybe this morning you're just kind of feeling tired and, and maybe worn out, maybe as you're going into that, or maybe as you're kind of in the midst of that this morning, maybe you're kind of feeling 
overwhelmed. Maybe there's just this temptation to give in to discouragement this morning. Um, I just want you, if you are in one of those places this morning, you're either at the beginning of what feels like it could be a very dark shadow, uh, maybe you're in the middle of one or just coming out, I just want you just to raise your hand this morning. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything to uh, draw attention to you. It's just simply a way for you to acknowledge, God, you see where I'm at this morning. And, and God, I, I am refusing to give in to fear. So Father, right now, for every hand that is raised, Father, we thank you that in the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, that you have given to us the power and the ability to fear no evil. that we can refuse right now through the victory of the cross, through the empty tomb. This morning, we can refuse by the power that dwells in us, the Holy Spirit, Lord, we can refuse to give in to despair. We can refuse to give in to hopelessness. We can refuse to be overcome or to be overwhelmed by nothing other than your presence this morning. Father, we choose to look to you. We choose to trust you. We choose, Lord, that this morning you are going to use this for our good and not for our destruction. To give us a future, to give us a hope this morning. And so, God, as we are in this place, this valley of the dark, deep shadows of death, the Father, again, we acknowledge you are with us. You have a point. You have a purpose. You have a plan for what we're going through right now. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would turn our eyes from the things of earth, that you would turn our eyes from the things that are going on around us, the crashing waves, the howling wind, whatever those circumstances represent this morning, God, that we can turn away from that, Lord, to not focus on earthly things, but, Lord, choose to focus on things that are above, that you give us that power, you give us that ability to focus on the things that are much higher than the things upon earth. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give us the ability and the choice to choose. And so, Lord, this morning, we choose to fear no evil. We choose to acknowledge that you are with us, that you are for us and not against us. We choose this morning to trust and believe that what others have maybe meant for evil, you are going to use for good. And Father, again, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the example, the life of the apostle Paul. Lord, we thank you for the lives of other faithful Christians who have gone through times of great difficulty, of suffering, of persecution. And Lord, they have showed us how to walk through that, how to be victorious in that, how to overcome that. And Father, we thank you for their example. And Lord, we pray that you would give us again the wisdom. We pray that you would give us the courage, the strength, the ability 
to walk the way that Jesus walked, to think the way that Jesus thought, to react the way that Jesus reacted, to be able to have the results that Jesus had. So Father, we again thank you for his example. And God, I just pray, Lord, that you would give to my brothers and sisters right now, Lord, that are in those valleys, that God, you will give to them the same Holy Spirit, the same power that was given to your son, Jesus Christ, and that that was the one thing that made all the difference. The power that worked in him is the same power that works in us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for access to that this morning. Give us greater access. Give us greater wisdom. Help us to walk in that. And we thank you, Father, that you are always with us, that you never leave us and you never forsake us. We thank you for that and we claim that in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We just pray this morning. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.